0: Go, go, go! So, uh, what's up with uh, the, <laughs> the the markets? The the well, let's see. The, the, the Nasdaq uh, down a little bit today. Uh, bonds are uh, bond yields are rising. Uh, yeah, yeah. What 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 do you feel? Well, I mean, if you
1: the Nasdaq. Um, is a tough one right now because I think a lot of you know, it's always been the NASDAQ 100 is said to be growth and tech and all this kind of stuff but I don't really think so I, I think that some lazy private wealth management type people will push people into the magnificent 7 and you know, when you start and think about it, I mean, Apple's not innovating uh, maybe Nvidia is, uh, maybe Microsoft is. Uh, the AI mind virus is still out there, but um, you know, positioning these first two days at the beginning of a quarter tell you a lot. Yesterday, the uh, the amount of volume and the violence in the Nasdaq showed a real disagreement over price. You could tell people were you know, loading up on uh, NASDAQ positions uh, based on this sort of nano structure of the market. And I mean, it was just a knife fight. And we did trade it. Uh, We did not make money on it. Um, We didn't trade it big, but... Wait, this was uh, Sunday, the open? Yeah, so the future's open. I really thought the continuing resolution... I've been caught off guard twice now. And as someone who kind of knows Capitol Hill, knows the inner workings of uh, how things get done, I've been caught off guard twice and once over the debt ceiling. And now with this whole McCarthy staring down the, you know, chaos caucus. And I really didn't. I really thought we were headed towards a government shutdown. I think the market did on Friday as well. Um, And one of the strangest things that listeners may appreciate is that the... Republicans, when they announced the continuing resolution, talked about a 45-day stopgap measure. The literal duration of the stopgap measure is 47 days. And none of the press noticed this except, like, one guy. And so you had, you know, credible, great media organizations like the Financial Times talking about a 45-day CR. It's really 47 days. I just think it's kind of funny how all this stuff gets talked about. The guy who pulled the fire alarm, all this all you know, all this circus. I mean, Capitol Hill is always a circus. But uh no one bothered to notice that it's a 47-day containing resolution. I thought the markets would go up, they did. Uh we even said I think it's a 1.2% to 1.8% day. It ttp at 1.2%. What screwed with us was um we were up early and the uh nasdaq started selling off really hard before the u s opened um and it was in part due to thin volume and in part due to the the European stocks were having a hell of a bad day um and so there's a tendency in the u s markets of and of the i mean if you buy futures in the european session it'll outperform um Something by like 900 percent over the last 10 years, um, just buying them you know at the u s open and so there was just a surprise, really swift downward movement, but we got to our one point two percent target, and uh, you know that it just it just felt like it was sort of giving it up. I have absolutely no idea what's driving today. I mean, you can point to sort of higher yields. Oil is a total mystery to me right now.
0: I, I, um, Yeah. I would, you know, I think uh, the fun part about the market right now, at least for me, um, is that, and and you can really see it on the cheat sheet too, is that we don't just have everything going the same direction, right? We have, uh, I mean, even within the cryptos themselves, uh, you know, we have have certain cryptos that are uh, performing well today. And then, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin are not necessarily just tracking the NASDAQ. Uh, However, uh, like you said, Sunday night, actually, that's uh, kind of been stealing your trade by trading sort of this futures open, but using it, uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. uh, And, you know, not really... uh, yeah, was I on on Sunday? Was I like, oh, you know, government shutdown, whatever? No, not really. I was uh, just sort of watching the price action, and uh, I mean, I got incredibly lucky. Uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin ripped. Like, I think Ethereum went up um, uh, almost a thousand. Uh, sorry, a hundred dollars per coin in just uh, like ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I was in the market for fifty-four minutes. Uh, had one of my best performing days ever. And ever since then, I've just been sitting on the sidelines, uh, sort of watching. Um, but yeah, uh, it it that that that's the thing that I've really noticed is that we actually have a, a real market here, like in the sense that, like you know, like you said, there's uh, there's people that are actually debating over the price, and it's not just okay. We all get long here and wait, or we all get short here and wait. It's a uh, it's a bit of a knife fight out there, and uh, not just yeah, that. you can't just there was yeah, a- yeah.
1: Something big happened on Sunday, which was the – and keep in mind, these Bitcoin futures are huge. They're 50 Bitcoins, and they're 50 uh, Fs, or however you say it. I still don't like Ethereum, but it's, it's a tradable asset, which, which you can make bets. The volume in the first 10 minutes on Bitcoin and Ethereum – Outpaced oil, and that's the first time that's ever happened. Because I watch, I've been there for. Oh well, wow. yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I've been there for every Sunday. And look, this, this, uh, this asset class is maturing, and I think you're seeing, you know, global macro participants. Uh, you know, Tudor uh, Investment Corporation is a holder of coins. I think the biggest. If you ask me, the, the the biggest false catalyst in crypto is the advent of ETFs, and people think that's a bullish thing. Fine, um, but I, I don't think that the um, the ad you know the, the the ETFs that got rolled out and all that other kind of stuff is a, necessarily a positive catalyst for price. And I and I think crypto. You know, we go back to investment philosophies and we can get pretty wonky. I'll let you decide whether or not you want to get wonky about the concept of reflexivity and market participants' perception of price as being influential to the price. I made some pretty uh, bold calls about 2024 in the Spacing Guild. My price target for Bitcoin in 2024 not twenty twenty three, and I will revise this. Uh, is eighty six thousand dollars, and my S and P target is fifty four hundred by the end of next year. And oh, that's um, a pretty high S and P value. I know, and 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 it's very it's very confusing. You're like you know the, the, the Tom Lee of, of Footprint. I know, I know, and and it's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird thing because if anyone's been in the space and guild, nobody's been sort of more bearish than I have. But, um, I mean, there's real in our discord compared to other discords, there is real good trading advice and debates. I mean, you know, you were thinking all of us to go sort of downwards from 80. I pushed back hard on that. And not only that, but you know, I, continue to say, you know, once we got sort of above 90, I was like, I think it'll probably go up a little bit more, but I've gotten what I need out of the market. And that's something we've been thinking about more recently about our trading strategies. And Billy, you can speak to this uh, better because you're <laughs> the head of strategy for our fund. So, uh, But we've been thinking more about like, instead of What do we bring to the asset? What does the asset bring to the fund? What is oil good for? Is it good for, you know, sitting behind a computer, figuring it out, fighting it all the time? Or is it good for, you know, it's going to move, it's going to have distinct moves of $10 to $20 twice a year. And why should you ever screw with it unless you think it's doing one of those, Ten to twenty dollar moves. So that's what oil brings to our fund, as opposed to what. Did it... Billy, can you speak to that a yeah, little no, bit? Yeah, no, that's kind of important.
0: That...
2: Yeah, and and every every asset is different. So where oil might be more of a, a trending a trending asset that you want to see larger moves or see a larger move on the horizon to participate in. Uh, maybe there's other assets that aren't so trending that are more range bound. Maybe means reversionary, FX, for instance. You might not be participating in for long, uh, long term moves, but just uh, a means reversion trade, and it has that that optionality where it gets where it gets carried away. Um, and I think that's just helpful to define your risk and to define your target on. Is what is this? What is this asset you, here? You know, there's a
0: there's a crypto trader on uh, on Twitter that I, well, I don't follow, but I, his tweets come across my thing before. And uh, he said something that I I think like basically what you're saying is in, and, is basically don't diddle in the middle. That's what he said, which is basically like, why are you sitting around here? trying to trade this thing that's not going anywhere, that's sort of range-bound, that's sort of, you know... Uh, and then at the same time, you know, there's all these other assets that you could go find that are actually, like, doing something. Uh, one one of the things that, you know, is now... I mean, pretty obvious in hindsight, but is becoming more and more uh, a consistent pattern, right, is this Bitcoin halving cycle, right? So it's like, why, um, why even... You know, look at Bitcoin from the long side for the last couple of years, because we know there's this having cycle, and it's just consistently performed on the on the backside of the having. So, um, you know, it's like you should have Bitcoin in your portfolio for the having, and and it, it, you know, it maybe is uh uh one of those self fulfilling prophecies or whatever. But who cares?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to ask Cletus on his targets here. So you have s and p uh, going up some twenty five percent or something uh, by the end of next year and then bitcoin you know almost tripling. do you think that that's just because it's a risk on environment and bitcoin's always going to outperform the s p in a risk on environment and underperform if its risk
1: off that's a great question. So I think that uh, bitcoin's um as again, Bitcoin's their use case has been the most pervasive story, I'm not going to use the word narrative, the, the most explanation, the why. Does the why matter? No. The price matters. And um, I think Bitcoin, just like I've, started to be repetitive, we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, but things become different things. So right now, the dollar has replaced the VIX. The VIX is relatively tame. I don't think it should be, but that's a whole other topic. But
2: um, Except for today where it's up you know, 12%, but it has been tame for the last Yeah, but months. it's
1: still tame. <laughs> I mean, it's still tame. Given, given all the sort of scary things out there, it's still been relatively tame. And so I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin is superior to gold in every way. As a store of value every single way. And um, it's a relatively illiquid thing when you take away the perp futures, which, um, you know, I'm still the price of physical Bitcoin is what I'm most interested in. It's a relatively illiquid asset. And um, it's just it's time and 86,000 is a random price. It's not based on Fibonacci extensions or anything else like that because the last time Bitcoin stopped, it stopped at a random
0: price, and it would be too. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm gonna, I'll do it right now then. And like you said, you adjust <laughs> we'll adjust our price targets. But all you're making me think is no, we're going to go above 100,000 this time, easy because everyone's it's like it's like last time everyone was expecting 100,000, and now this time everyone's expecting it to. St- right, no
1: that's a that's a great take too. But the point is you, you you it's less about the levels as it is about directionality, and just don't go look for truth. I think that's a big a big and, and this is where we can get a little bit wonky if it, if that's okay. If it gets too wonky, then fine. But um, you know i'm I, I just subscribe to Soros's philosophy. he's the greatest global macro trader of all times. Um, and, uh, he, like, you know, Ray Dalio and I have stuff to say about Ray Dalio later, but tries, tried sort of, you know, you get older and you try to, to leave a legacy of a philosophy that benefits other financial market participants. And his attempt to explain away why price equilibrium doesn't always exist is that market participants' perception of price is what influences price. Not truth, uh, but the market participants of price. So we spend more time sitting around thinking about what other people are going to do or not do than we do spending um, – trying to find the truth. And I'll I'll give you a perfect example. Um, You've got a great debate taking place in our Discord between Hashair, who's very careful to... I mean, he's sort of our perma-bear. And he's been... Hashair has been the catalyst for more wins for our our fund probably than any other thing because we got short you know he kept sort of sort of you know reemphasizing the the weakness of the consumer um and but freddie the philosopher too and that guy's a real guy i mean he he i don't know him in real life i don't know either of the guys in real life but
0: yeah i Freddy met Fre- uh i met i met freddie in real life uh yeah he's a real guy he's, I, uh, yeah, he's a real I guy i found him uh Found them out. Found them both out in the wild. But yeah, I mean that's that, that's sort of. I mean that was our original goal with footguns, right? It's not necessarily to just like. I mean, <laughs> at this point, uh, you know, we're not making any money off of this thing. It's it's uh, you know, it's crazy because we're whatever, providing but, these but, uh, trades
1: that are ridiculously yeah, yeah. good, and then you get the this is stupid all-in guys who just bitch about this, that, and the other, or whatever. They don't give you any trade. But the thing
0: we have done very successfully is we're building a tight knit community with very smart people that have experience in the markets. Uh, And, you know, you and I, uh, I mean, maybe we say some smart things here and there, but the, the, yeah, the, what you're talking about is the power of like this debate of actually having different views and different sides and different perspectives. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of our trading rules is right is, uh, being able to admit when you're wrong, right? And uh, so, yeah, it's it's really helpful to have those. those I don't
1: understand why every single f- trader and every single fund manager is not. I mean, I mean, we've been throwing heat. I mean, all you needed to do to have a twenty percent year as a global macro fund was follow oil advice that we laid down. All you had to do, uh, in you know, to to really outperform in crypto is look at your NASDAQ, Ethereum trade. And it's just, it's just weird to me that we're just, I mean, we're just maybe bad self promoters or something like that. But I mean, there's actual alpha sort of being generated and it's being done. So in a very polite and supportive way, and look, if I'm wrong, I've given, I think, I think the value of, because it's arbitrary about, you know, S and P targets, this, that, and the other, but, um, you know, you can, you can now bet against me. And I'm all for it. I, I just care that people make money. And I want to see our yeah, family, yeah. family make money. And so if you're like, you know what, I, I fucking hate Cletus. This guy thinks he knows everything and um, he's annoying and all this other kind. Of, I'm going to bet against that guy. I want you to do that and win. And that makes me happy. That that's what I want to do here. And and uh, uh, anyway, that's sort of a, a feel good moment. But uh, back to the, the the reflexivity part. I just think if you go looking for truth, and I think has nailed it. I mean, people are running out of money. Delinquencies are on the rise, credit card
0: uh, wise. Yeah, but I saw I a number fra- today that uh, credit cards are uh, or like credit card delinquencies are the highest they've ever been in the last like. but but who cares but but is that a systemic problem and honestly who cares these people are so dumb (laughs) that you know sort of the point of this podcast right is the next question is well how do i trade it right and it's like exactly is it right is there is this going to affect the bitcoin price is this going to affect the oil price is this going to affect like okay so if you can come up with a, a a tool and you can trade it then like that's fantastic but other than that uh you know, it's just a number on a piece. Yeah, I've
1: listened to podcasts where they deliver blow your mind statements that are completely untradeable. And so, how do you trade this? And I think where Freddie Philosopher got me um, and really made me rethink my hash error take was that people are getting um, it is going to affect the ability, the incremental buyer is down for the count. But where Freddie philosopher stepped in was, was he was saying, yeah, but people have sort of reached their max monthly sustainable, um, thing. and I think people, the idea that people are just going to walk off into knowingly defaulting on credit cards and completely ruining their financial life is a little hard for me to believe. And, um, so people basically max out their credit cards. They're meeting the monthly payment. So we've got delinquencies, but maybe not defaults. And if you look at the amount of debt involved here, and, and that's the thing is that there's, there's, there's one of the hallmarks of economic mania is increased complexity. And there's not a lot of complexity right now. And, um, so you can look at credit card delinquencies and credit card defaults. That's not a complicated scenario. What we had in O eight, oh nine, oh seven, oh six, the run up and all that kind of stuff was increased complexity of financial products. And
0: um, I d we're just not seeing Well, I that. do actually I do uh you just made me think of something. <laughs> um, because I've heard a lot of people talking about how, you know, the United States homeowner is comfortable because uh um, they, you know, they have some fixed rate, you know, mortgages or something. And so they weren't really affected by this interest rate hikes, but, um, you did just maybe me think about, well, okay. Uh, one number that's sort of missing that maybe if someone could put this together, it'd be more informative than just credit card delinquencies would be how many of these, um, you know, people that have maxed out their credit cards own a home because, if they don't own a home, uh, you know, then that credit card debt could be like the only thing they have to cover for. But if they do own a home and they're maxing out their credit card, that means that they're on the brink of a not being able to pay their credit card, and then b not being able to pay their mortgage for their home, right? And so, isn't that what happened in two thousand and you know seven and eight and nine? Was that uh, you had you had the consumer with so much debt on their it, it you know on their credit cards. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know what the exact situation was uh, compared to now with the, uh, you know, fixed rate mortgages, but basically, uh, you know, they got to the point where they were just too overwhelmed, and then, you know, lo and behold, you got to start selling things and, uh, that, you know, they... Come so let me house, give you a right? tangible way gonna... to trade this.
1: Let me give you a tangible way to trade this. If you believe that the, which a lot of people do, this is a very commonly held belief, that the US housing market is relatively secure because people have low fixed rate mortgages. Everyone who's halfway intelligent were like, wow, this is cheap. This is basically a free mortgage, zero interest rate mortgage. It's lower than inflation. And they went and refinanced their mortgage in 2020, 2020 and 2021. If you believe that, that that is a problem, I'll give you the perfect pair trade. In Australia, they don't have that. The number of people they, they basically have no fixed rate mortgages. So short the ASX two hundred, which is the uh, Australian stock index, you can do it on the futures, the, the symbol is SPI. Short that and go long ES. If you ES being E mini futures in the United States. So if you want to isol- if you want to make put on that specific trade, which is people being overwhelmed by the increased cost of mortgages, that's going to happen in Australia if you believe mortgage rates are going to continue to go up. That will happen in Australia, and it's less likely to happen in the United States. Now, there's all other kinds of things going on in Australia that should make you feel bearish as well. They are the breadbaskets, China. China's down for the count. I'm getting so tired of hearing Ray Dalio talk about China is the new world order. It is down for the count. It's done. It is being ruled by a very coherent worldview in the form of the Communist Party, which is really communist this time. I mean, they are Marxist-Leninists at the top. Xi Jinping, who pulls all the levers, is a Leninist-Marxist. And when we talk about, you know, the risk of an invasion of Taiwan, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen, and remember, the United States policy on uh, Taiwan and China is strategic ambiguity, which is one nation, two forms of government. Well, they did a wholesale takeover of Hong Kong because the last president was viewed as being the weakest U.S. president we'll ever have on foreign policy. Um, And they took over Hong Kong, and they did it legislatively, not through military force. And so it's very likely that during this election cycle when the U.S. is most weak, the Communist Party in China will pass legislation that will allow them to sort of send police officers over to Taiwan. It won't be a hot military conflict. Could evolve into that. That's a key risk. But um, anyway, sorry, that's a weird tangent
0: to go down. But... Oh, that's fine. Actually, uh, you made me. <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, we're just talking about trades here. Um, I don't know how actually to put this trade on, but uh, I I have finally found. You know, we're talking about like truth, whatever. Um, I have finally thought of a reason why Nvidia um, could not do so well uh, from this point forward, or like you know, from sometime soon forward, uh, regardless, of, like macro stuff. Um, and and part of it comes from. The fact that NVIDIA, I mean, if, over the lifetime of NVIDIA, its it's been in a, like, you know, from a true as a truth place or whatever, it's been in a fantastic place. It was, you know, video cards were, like, part of the gaming boom. Video cards were part of the crypto boom. Video cards are now part of the AI boom. Um, however, you know, however, what happened in every single one of those past events was that uh, hardware became specific, so... Uh, the way this AI, like these large language models, is what you know we're we're really talking about. Let's not call them AI because it's it's not really AI. It's just <laughs> a large language model. It is fantastic to interact with, and and it feels like magic. But uh, the the video card is a general computing thing for graphics, right? Uh, it just so happens that you can stick this processing onto it. Um, what people did with Bitcoin and what people did with video games is they went and built hardware specific what they, they call them application specific integrated chips, right? And so they're, they're, they basically take the AI algorithm, and you build a piece of hardware that is just the algorithm. And so rather than having to run the algorithm on the video card, and, and they do the same thing with Bitcoin mining. Uh, Ethereum actually put a, uh, a dent in uh, NVIDIA uh, it, when it you know, announced that it was going to be switching to proof of stake because people were using uh, video cards to mine Ethereum. And then they said, oh, yeah, I actually don't need uh, as many uh, anymore. Uh, it's, a, it's a lighter load. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's going to be some ASICs company that shows up uh, that produces, you know, AI specific large language model chips and so I think that you could probably trade that by, um, you know, scaling into some sort of NVIDIA short or something, or leave NVIDIA alone and just look for this uh, this new company that will arise in the next year or two that that's, you know, making uh, these AI chips. So yeah, and th- th- there's another tangent.
1: No, I think that's well, well put. I mean, I, I just don't... I, this reminds me of the storage plays, you know, Seagate, Western Digital of the late nineties, Applied Materials, um, it went up two, three hundred percent. Sort of, it's, it was the picks and shovels to the to the internet, and um, these trades are fantastic, but they have a limited duration. And one of the one of the, one of the things that I've learned, I've learned a lot via the crypto psychology, which is sort of a, a mass psychology. Which is a strange place. Like the the amount of curve fitting, not in not by you, but 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 the the amount of curve fitting that's sort of forcing forcing of a, a price analysis to meet people's basically talking their book. And if you want to talk about it in stock terms, is extraordinary. And people will look at this technical indicator one day and another technical indicator to the next. And I just think it's all wrong. And there's just really no argument for the price of Bitcoin to just completely fall apart. And if it's not falling apart, then it's going to go up. And I know that's kind of basic, but that's, that's, that's sort of the way I feel about Bitcoin. I just don't like Ethereum because I still don't, understand it and i I still don't you know um
0: i I just can't get too excited about it uh, yeah I mean I think one of the best calls I made all year was just uh and you know it came from it came from basically nothing i mean there's there's people that uh that sit like you know again try and argue this like truth truth and fundamentals and stuff around ethereum uh and I just you know I just watched what happened in the first fourteen days of the the year and I said you know it's like well look. Ethereum's just not doing well uh compared to Bitcoin. Uh so you know, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a good year for it. And then sure enough, like, you know, it had its, it had its moments and it's and you certainly could have uh could have traded in and out and, and outperformed Bitcoin for, for moments, like using Ethereum as a tool, but uh you know, the, the general trend this year has just been down. And then you go and you look at uh okay, well, when did Ethereum make its high against Bitcoin? Well that was two thousand and seventeen right wow we're, we're, we're six years away from that high i mean it's possible it's certainly possible uh that ethereum eventually one day makes a new high against bitcoin i'm not saying that but um it's you know the the trend like like you said about bonds earlier right they're they're, they're going down until they don't right like ethereum is going to underperform bitcoin until it doesn't uh, but the trend is is certainly uh, very obvious, right? And in one, If you had some beginning of the year observations?
2: How do you think there's any response for the for crypto assets on the fiscal quarter Q4 just starting? Do you think
0: you know what I'm uh, I'm you know, a thinking lot of about actually? That cares about Q4. The... I'm I'm thinking about that Santa Claus rally, right? I mean, uh, mm, who doesn't want some Bitcoin year, in their stocking? Yeah, last year it was the easiest trade ever. Like Bitcoin bottom sometime in December, get long and just stay long. I mean, it was like a 100% return or something, right? Um, yeah, uh that's it's it's doesn't make it, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's like do you need to go and think about it and like justify it and 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 say why it's going to happen or or do you just buy right and then then. well one of our major discussions has
2: been what what are people you know manage money institutional investors that the like positioning into q4 in regards to equities and you've seen this giant tug of war i mean volatilities Increase with, uh, you know, implied volatility VIX being up 11% today. You've seen some pretty drastic moves. NASDAQ being down 2.2%. At the low of today, um, large volume, over 2 million contracts of S&P futures traded both today and yesterday. And, you know, the resulting move on equities has, has been lower since they opened on Sunday. So Q4 is off to negative star which doesn't entirely mean that it's going to be you know a losing quarter in general but um you know there's a lot of people thinking about how to position right now into whatever santa claus rally might happen into the end of the year and right now they have it hasn't been through buying
0: yeah i mean when yeah exa- well and and sort of my point is like well do you participate in that? <laughs> like, do you, you know, it's just like, no, why, why even participate when you could just wait? Right. And then that's right. Okay, no, cool. you, you hit the nail on the yeah. head. So See what I'm let's, saying? <laughs> let, let's talk about, let's talk about how bad,
1: how bad uh, hedge funds have been performing this year. I mean, it's been, it's just been, I mean, every long short fund that I have access to their returns because I'm either invested, unfortunately, or, You know, I may have seeded the manager or whatever. I mean, it's just bad across the board. The CTA index for this year is up 24 basis points. It was up 20% last year. And so right now, if you're a CTA or a global macro hedge fund, you are just trying to get to the end of the year without a major disaster happening so you don't lose your allocation for next year. And so we saw this last year. People just basically stopped stopped trading in Q4. The market kind of drifted lower. We did have the, you know, uh, anyone who says that they caught the bottom in and, and October of last year is a fucking liar. And it's obvious that when you have CTAs, you know, performing 34 basis points in a year, where the NASDAQ 100 went up 40% that you had a a pullback in oil into the summer of $20 and now a rise $20 and the best you can do is 24 basis points. It's like you have to justify your own existence. Now the flip side of that is that when there's such chronic underperformance going into the final stretch is that, the perception is other people's funds are going to c- try to chase performance. And you could see not that people are actually doing that as someone who runs a fund. You're just trying to outperform your index, which is, in our case, the CTA index. And if you can beat the S&P in the process, then you wow your investors. Um, but you're also pulling out a 2% management fee. And the big sin is if you underperform, if you stay, in, you, can, you can beat the market by just staying in cash right now. The, the, the biggest exception is, and this is where you get back to reflexivity and market, percep- market participants' perception of the market, is that everyone knows that hedge funds have just been worthless this year. And there's a general philosophy that people will chase performance in the Q4. No one actually does that. But the perception is the reality. And so uh, I think the big, the big risks to the upside is there again, not that people chase performance, but people think other people are chasing performance, so they start chasing performance. I know that's kind of a, just a big, you know, what's the value of that statement, right? I don't know maybe it doesn't have any value. That's up for the listener to discern. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean uh I mean the real question is uh you know, Billy said it uh so what happens between October and December basically? I mean, it sounds like we're we're all we're all on the same page that uh you know, after 2 years of oh uh, well, I mean I guess this this year was a strange one. We can't just call it a town year, right? Cuz like we had we had Nvidia carry the market back to infinity or whatever, but um, you know, uh, from a crypto perspective, after two years of sort of underperformance, you would you would expect uh, some outperformance in the next year. Um, well, here, but, let
1: me throw a wrinkle yeah. in there for you: the best index that you know, Barclay Hedge, which is not affiliated with Barclays, the investment bank, but the gold standard for global macro indexing. Uh, currency trader indexing currency traders are up 500 basis points on average this year but you know who the big performer is, is cryptocurrency traders index is up 22% this year and I, I think it was uh, yeah that, so that's been that's walk, that's another thing that big institutional allocators the gatekeepers to capital are more important in some ways than the market participants and so unfortunately I don't know why this happens but Global macro traders were in the biggest demand. I mean, I got, you know, approached by some folks. Global macro was the best performing strategy last year. And it's the worst performing this year. And unfortunately, allocators are like lemmings and they tend to, I, 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 I'll never understand this because in every disclosure document we ever send to investors, it says past performance is not indicative of future results. And the only thing allocators want to know is your past performance. <laughs> it's just like almost every time, what didn't work last year will work next year. What did work last year.
0: Yeah. yeah. Won't I mean,
1: work next year. Uh, that, that actually drives me crazy. Let me land the plane, which is this is that allocators are going to look. At the end of Q, if, unless something materially changes, uh, at the end of Q4, they're going to look, and they're going to be like, you know, this thing that I was sort of curious about, but I can't, in good faith, recommend to a pension plan or a hedge fund or whatever. I can't, you know, I can't. the The, the pool of capital needs to be allocated. The best performing strategy this year was cryptocurrency. And so how can you ignore that? How can you, in good faith, be a gatekeeper, an allocator, um, and be like, oh, well, that thing was up 20% this year. My long short equity funds suck. The equal weight S&P, so the stock pickers are just worthless. The equal weight S&P is now down on the year. Um, And um, how can I ignore an asset class It's beaten every other strategy. And so that could be your real catalyst for um, more allocation of cryptocurrency trading funds. Um, Forget all the noise you heard about, weirdo, three arrows, six arrows, 26 arrows, whatever the fuck they're called. Pardon the language. Forget all the weird Singapore... Yeah, whatever. The Singapore-based... Nobody's allocating to weird Hong Kong, Singapore-based cryptocurrency funds. But I think there's, you, you just can't ignore it anymore. You cannot ignore Bitcoin anymore. So these allocators, how are they going to go explain to people why they're going to increase their global macro allocation uh, when global macro is down this year and you just didn't touch cryptocurrency, which is up 22%? And just so everyone understands, and we have a lot of people in the DeFi space who listen to this podcast. 22% is insanely high. Like, if you can do 22% and somebody thinks you can do 22% next year, you're going to get all the money in the world. I mean, people are just looking for, like, maybe, you know, 5 to 10% return
0: out of your fund.
1: you are not looking for 50% right. And, returns. And, and,
0: and, right, and, and, and you don't actually have to beat them as, like, they just want you to be somewhat, like, decorrelated or...
1: Yeah, non-correlated. And the and, and thing is that the, 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 thing I, the thing I think I, I articulated this very early on in Wasabi's uh, podcast was that I think that a lot of the DeFi participants have very unreal because it's sort of like trading options. They have an options trader mindset, which is I'm going to lose money on 90% of my bag, uh, but I'm looking for this one particular coin to go up 400% to offset the losses. And I, I, I just think that there's a distortion about what can you reasonably expect in terms of a return and do you should you really be aiming for, you know, thousand percent returns. And um, uh, no. Well, that's, so,
2: that's so important because if you don't have a realistic return for the asset class, again, what can this asset class do to you? You right. won't take profits at the right moment. Bingo, And you're... up that you think should go to a a hundred triple double who
0: knows what will come right back down.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I
0: I mean, I was actually just thinking about that from like the psychological perspective of, uh, let, you know, if Bitcoin, like let's say Bitcoin goes to like $45,000, right? A lot. I think a lot of people are, are going to come in and sell it because it's like, Oh, it, you know if it if it stalls for just a moment they're just going to oh, okay it, it it found a a lower high you know uh let's get out and let's get back in lower and then the thing is is if it you know the, the that day that it reaches its all time high again that never works everyone has a different a different perspective they say they say oh this thing has reached its new all time high you know uh let's buy it let's get back into it i don't know i you know um, that the, what's the difference between a double top and a cup and handle, right? You don't know until it it, it performs, right? You can't uh, you can't actually predict it, right? Like you you don't know what the market is going to do the next time it makes an all-time high, the next time it makes a lower high, et cetera, until it sort of does its thing, right? Uh, and, and, in which case it's probably too late to take the trade. or sometimes it's not, right? Um, you know, breaking an all-time high, the uh, all-time high as resisted. I mean, as support, and then going higher, good time to buy. You know, um, going to some random level and dropping, and going below some some support, maybe a good time to sell. Right? I don't know. It's uh yeah, that's the hard part. About
1: absolutely, position management is, of course, everything. And we've been emphasizing sort of target first. And so, you know, where do we think a reasonable? Pr- uh, w- w- you know, come up with your target first. You can adjust it, but at least put a trailing stop in if you're winning because I just get the sense that a lot of the DeFi folks who are the best people, like, like I love DeFi people. They're just degenerate, wonderful people. They're all for democracy, so I love them. And I I just think that, you know, I, 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 I don't think there's a scenario where um if, if if I'm right about Bitcoin, I don't think there's a scenario where the DeFi just lags, you know. Um I think it'll be up substantially more. And I know it's been frustrating to be in things like Matic. It's been frustrating to be in, in a lot of this sort of stuff. But um I actually think that uh uh that 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 twenty twenty four is gonna be pretty pretty good for d5 so you don't want to go all in oh, on hey, it. hey
0: matic had a big uh matic had a big day today not uh not that it actually went up that much it's just everything else got slaughtered today um and matic uh went up a little bit and so to me that's you know that's a that's a significant moment it's like uh this thing you know, refuse to go down. I mean, you could, if you, if you, if you look at the daily chart, it made a W bottom and, and tested the neckline of the W and bounce. So, you know, from a technical perspective, that's a, uh, that's what, you know, a re-entry trader would, uh, would buy here. And so now we'll find out, um, if there's anybody. Else. Oh, I'm always
1: terrible about updating what we're doing on trades. We're out of the sugar trade. We don't think it has any more room to run. And, um, we think there was some calendar spread action. Long story short, but just to anyone who's following sugar, um, we're out of that, and we don't think it has more room to run.
0: Uh, well, I actually have to bounce here. Um, what uh, you got? Anything else? I mean, uh, I, it has been it has been a, a fun year, I think, from a trader's perspective because it wasn't just like. Buy and hold, or you know, uh, I mean, last year was kind of sell and hold. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was, I have um, just one and, and, thing. And, and one like thing, I... it'll. T- I have one thing that'll just
1: take a couple minutes, and that is that. Be very wary of older people in the market. Guys like Ray Dalia, who, by the way, I was I, I'll, I'll watch a lot of content that he does, and his answer is that to. His advice is to have 17 bulletproof income streams, so you're diversified. Well, great, I'm signed up for that. Um, and uh, but that doesn't exist. So, but here's the thing: is that as I get older, um, you start to realize that things are not really going to get better for you. You're not going to get faster. You're not going to get your 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 life may improve in terms of the happiness curve or whatever but you, you start to sort of your version of the world is it's getting worse in part because no one wants to admit that the best times may occur after your death and when i heard that on a podcast recently i, I kind of like went holy shit um that People on when they're on their way out. Now I'm 46. You know I've got plenty of time. So yeah, you whatever. got at least three years. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I've outlived, I've outlived Elvis, and that was my goal. That's a great, that's a great com-
0: accomplishment. Yeah, that's my favorite. He died at uh, 42. That's my favorite Kanye, Kanye West line from College Dropout is, uh you know, drug dealing just to get by. Never think we'd make it past 25. Jokes on you. We. St- Yeah, but, Vili, did I
1: articulate that well? Because we were listening to the same podcast at the same time when I was like, boom. And uh, did I articulate that well when when talking about you're getting older, so you super Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to summarize from the perspective of somebody
2: who doesn't want to accept that the best days of Earth or civilization might be after their time, they're not going to express a viewpoint that's all that cherry because it's going to be more of a pessimistic, I'm getting older, my body's getting older, Older. my, uh, everything around me is deteriorating, so I have a viewpoint, um, a dogma that's also
1: deteriorating, I think was the takeaway. And And then, why is everyone miserable? The last one is, why is everybody miserable? 100 years ago, 90% of the world lived in extreme poverty. Now, only 8% of the world lives in extreme poverty. But everybody's unhappy. Why?
2: I don't know if everyone is unhappy. That might be part of you getting older.
0: <laughs> no, I mean so I, I, have, I, just, I, have, I have another. I have another uh, example on this. Is uh, you know I, I don't know how many people out there are avid TV watchers, but uh, the best show that's ever been created, The Wire, uh, when it was when it was shield. on TV, um, very few people watched it, and yep, it actually. Didn't even, you know, become sort of known and take off until many, many, many years later. And now I would actually say um, it's probably more popular than it's ever been. And that took an incredible amount of time. And so, yeah, like Bitcoin could go to $3,000 and sit there for 20 years before people, you know, realize, oh, this thing hey, remember this old technology? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we have this new thing and we could make it, you know, better, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And then it could resurge. So um, you, you you sort of just never fucking know, right? What you're saying is that until the creator of Bitcoin
2: cuts off his or her ear and potentially passes away, right. that's the, joke, when yeah. the real value yeah, was- exactly, <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's now, art, B- right,
1: Bitcoin is art. Boomers need to die. They're terrible, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this generational death event. Um, I think millennials tend to be like, more like boomers because the, the children are boomers. But Gen Z is a really great, really great, uh, and I think Gen X, which I, I'm a part of. Um, I think Gen Z, if you can adopt, and, and you can be a millennial and adopt a Gen X and Gen Z mindset. And the difference between Gen Z and Gen X to me is that Gen X and Gen Z are very practical minded and they don't believe in absolutism. And there's, there's a boomers are super cynical and millennials are super cynical and cynical people don't do very well financially. Um, if you're too cynical now, now, you know, it can prop you up for some great shorts and everything like that, but, um, you can adopt the Gen Z mindset. And what I see among Gen Z is that they, you know, a lot of people are moving away from animal consumption. But they're not absolutist about it. And what a millennial mindset is, or a boomer mindset is, is you're a hypocrite because, you know, you're, you say you're vegan, but you eat ice cream or something like that. The goal is to be better. It's to be incrementally better. And I feel like Gen Z is just practical about that, and I feel like Gen X is practical about that, and I feel like that 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 millennials just sit around and throw rocks, and that's why they love the all in podcast you know they they love the calling out of the hypocrisy, they love to believe all politicians are corrupt, they love to believe you know everyone's against you and all this other kind of stuff. That shit doesn't pay it just doesn't pay and um the Gen Z mindset, I think, is one of sort of you know practical optimism, and and the Gen X mindset is is that well way as well. Millennials are always anxious about this, that, and the other, and they're just convinced that everyone's out to get them and all this other kind of stuff.
0: If you're convinced everyone's yeah, we got to, to we got to get uh, we got to get the chicken back on the podcast. Yeah, bothered. the chicken
1: short the short the short the chicken. Anyone I'm pretty who sure ever we tells put you put the
0: we put the steak in the top of the chicken. <laughs> We did. I mean, I mean,
1: I, I don't even know who subscribes to that guy anymore. But anyway, this has been a very long podcast. Thank you for having us on How. This is very helpful to us because we get to articulate our views, and then we'll go back and listen to it. And, um, you know, and thanks to everyone, we've had an exceptional year at our fund, and we would have not had an exceptional year. And as you can hear from my voice, we're talking about positioning in Q4 – we're almost sort of calling it a year because there's no value in us taking additional risks, um, big risks. We may yeah, exactly. At this, or at, that. Mean, at this
0: point, you just uh, you play around to see if you still have have. Uh, but I have think our performance would been, your... our performance. I think would have been fifty
1: percent lower if it wasn't for the conversations in the Spacing Guild. And so uh, I would just encourage everyone who's in our Elite Spacing Guild Discord, keep coming with your ideas because I trade on them. And I, I I don't think I would have done half. Billy, I mean, does the trading. He's the mastermind. But, you know, Billy wouldn't have had half a good a year as he's had, which he's had a fucking for a 26-year-old first-timer wow 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 um and i don't think it would have been as good unless we had this enormously great participation from everyone in the discord so thank you and keep doing it
0: thank you yeah, the thank you discord is, uh, yeah yeah no thanks everybody it's great to have you here the other thing i'll add is uh we haven't been around so much because i was literally sick for five weeks in a row and like couldn't could barely was it talk COVID? and had uh, you know, I t- I tested negative for COVID like three times in a row, so I don't know. But uh it was it was miserable. I, I can tell you that because uh, I got it for the first then, time. Yeah, the only yeah, other I- thing that I'll say is it that was bad when when things become more interesting, and especially you know this is a crypto related podcast. When uh, when you know when I see is the, it the markets become more interested, I, I think so. Crypto related. That's what I said. You know uh so you know we we have we, we have a we have a slight crypto bias let's say or at least i do um so yeah i mean i will be more uh consistent and more frequent when there's more things to talk about and i'm not sick so yeah glad for everyone to be here i can't believe uh we're we've we've been doing this for so long at this point actually it feels
1: yeah absolutely i would publish this as public
0: yeah, yeah, we'll publish, we'll publish public, and, and and we'll go back to private when uh, when there's more things to talk about. Uh, but yeah, for now, basically, anybody that's still around, like you know, thanks for being here. We we enjoy we enjoy having everyone, and 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 like Cleta said, uh, like get in the Discord and and share your thoughts with us. It's that you know, it's one of my favorite. You bet. All right.
1: Talk to you later, Hal. Thanks, Billy. And thanks, everybody, for participating.
0: Yep. Talk to you guys later.
1: Have... Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm trying to stop. Stop. It won't let me stop. It won't let me stop.
2: Yes, just keep going.
1: I'm hitting stop.
2: Don't, don't lose
1: it. What do I do? Stop. If we lost that whole thing, nah, it would be so pissed. It was good. I know. You have good thoughts. Stop. What do I do? I don't.
2: Just unplug your headphones. It
1: says be sure to leave the ringer open after the. <laughs>
2: Let me
1: Google what happens if you... Well, it says you're not connected. Ringer.
2: Like a left ringer. What if...
1: Here, text Alex. He needs to leave the leave ringer.
2: Reddit, give me something. Reddit's not helping. Reddit's not helping. You need to try to force quit the app. I don't know if it'll, what's it, what it's gonna do.
1: Well, we'll just let it keep recording.